You're listening to Resilience Recast, Episode 2, Resilience at Work, the Private Sector's Key Vaccination Role. This podcast series is brought to you by Salesforce, a trusted digital advisor to business, in partnership with Reuters Plus. To find out more about how Salesforce helps businesses transition to a digital, work-from-anywhere world, visit salesforce.com. Hello and welcome to Resilience Recast. I'm Nisha Pillay. The COVID-19 vaccination rollout is the largest ever global public health initiative. In this episode, we examine how companies are helping vaccinate the planet against COVID-19, how business is collaborating with governments and institutions to formulate equitable and effective plans for vaccination and a return to work and how technology is aiding the deployment and distribution of vaccines. Here to set the scene is Gavin Patterson, President and Chief Revenue Officer of Salesforce. The world is delivering, I think, the largest mass vaccination campaign in in human history. Doing that in a way that is safe and fast and equitable uh, is a huge challenge. But I think it can be achieved if there is partnership between private and public sector, and we each play to our own strengths. I think it's also a great opportunity for business to build back trust and be seen as delivering positive change uh, in wider society. Business has not always had the best reputation. Certainly, its reputation has suffered in the last 10 years, but I think this is a fantastic opportunity to, to really address that and be seen as a a real platform for good. So I think business has a a critical role to play. Um, Many companies around the world are helping with that. And I think doing it this time, not just around uh, the vaccination effort, but actually making us more resilient in future, I think this is a a great opportunity for us. Later in the programme, I'll be speaking with Dr. Ashwini Zanuz, Chief Medical Officer at Salesforce. But first we're joined by David Rodriguez, Executive Vice President and Global Chief Human Resources Officer at Marriott. David, thanks for taking the time to join us on Resilience Recast. It's great to be with you, Misha. Thank you. Now, take us back, will you, David, to the very early days of the pandemic. It was such an enormous shock to us. Had Marriott planned for anything of that kind of scale and consequence? You know, that's a great question. You know, it's, uh, I think everybody would agree it, it's, it's been an unprecedented time uh, in the world. And so, you know, I don't know that anybody prepared exactly for what we faced over the last year or so. But as the situation emerged, we went back to our foundations, to our, our foundational principles, uh, the first most of which would be um, you know, ensure the well-being of our of our stakeholders, our employees, our customers, our owners and franchisees. And that's what we did right at the outset. Could you unpack that a bit more for us? Take us inside the C-suite, as it were. What kind of conversations were you having um, in order to get inside the minds of your stakeholders? And how did you change your priority actions as a result? You know, given the nature of the crisis, um, Health and safety, of course, uh, was uh, right at the center of that, and and so we convened our our experts across disciplines to um, really take a close look at our practices and what would be potential opportunities to uh, to shore those up and to make sure that they were respondent uh, to the situation that we were likely to face. 
people were so reluctant to travel um, and Marriott must have seen plummeting um, bookings right from the very beginning. What did you do to try and reassure people that your hotels were safe, reassure your staff that it was safe to come into work? Yeah, uh, of course, an unprecedented situation. Um, our, you know, our brands, Marriott has been synonymous with safety and security uh, for, for decades. So we're starting, we started from a strong foundation. Um, and, you know, to have the confidence of the public, to have the confidence of your employees is not a, a project or a program. It's something you build over time. And so I think the currency of most importance these days is in fact trust. Um, and so we started with, with that and, and frankly, making sure that we were uh, following the science that we were communicating. Communication is so important, you know, in any relationship of trust and being honest and transparent about here are the actions that we're taking to ensure, um, you know, everyone's uh, safety, right? And so, and so that, that's been the focus, you know, not so much reinventing things, uh, new practices, but making sure that the fundamental way that we run the business uh, continue to prevail. Have you used technologies to try and deliver that, not just in the communication side, but also in the actual practice of keeping spaces safe? Uh, we have accelerated the deployment of things like, uh, you know, mobile check-in, being able to check in, being able to open your your hotel room door with uh, with your mobile device, being able to communicate, you know, via text with the hotel, being able to order food, you know, through your mobile device. So. That's, uh, in a way, the, the pandemic has accelerated the evolution of the hotel industry. And have you used um, cleaning technologies, air filtration systems, if you had to invest in those? Or I've read about UV systems and that kind of thing. Were, were those a priority for you too? Yeah, huge priority. And that's one of the reasons, one of the very first things we did was to convene a global cleanliness council experts in food and water safety, hygiene, infection prevention, and hotel operations. And exactly, that's exactly what they did was to identify uh, areas where new technologies uh, in cleanliness and, and, and in other areas could be deployed and, uh, uh, and, and they've made a big, big difference. Now, what about vaccination? We can at last look forward to vaccination programs that are being rolled out at different rates around the world. Does Marriott have a policy on vaccination for its staff, for its customers? Yeah, and I'll focus on the United States. Obviously, different jurisdictions around the world uh, may have uh, different prescriptions and, and mandates. But in the United States, we do not require our associates to be uh, vaccinated, but we strongly encourage it. And we do that through encouragement by providing access to the latest information. We want them to be informed, to have the confidence uh, to take care of themselves, a flexibility to be able to schedule time to get their vaccinations, and even uh, you know at our hotels, providing a financial reward or incentive for hours of, uh, of pay uh, once they've gotten a, a vaccination. Did you debate and discuss at a high level, perhaps at the C-suite level, whether to make vaccination for your staff mandatory? Sure, we did, but we did, and um, you know, it was a a conversation that I think uh, we kind of knew the answer as we we walked into it. Uh, we knew, 
And, and our survey showed, you know, we did a, a pulse survey of our workforce globally. Interestingly, you know, of course, as the head of human resources, you sort of sit on pins and needles, you know, how's that, what's that survey going to say when it came back? Fascinatingly, uh, we've always had great scores. But we saw increases in things like trust in senior management, pride in the company, a great appreciation for the measures that the company took the, to safeguard the, the well-being of our associates. And, and so, you know, for us, we realized we have great trust with our associates. We knew that the action for us to take was not to tell them how to live their lives, but know that uh, the trust that we have with them, if we provided them the support, the encouragement, uh, the information that they need, they would go out and take care of uh, themselves. And, you know, the feedback we're getting, again, is great appreciation, you know, for that approach. Do you think that more people have got vaccinated amongst your staff because of the financial incentive? You know, I don't have numbers on that yet. All I can tell you is anecdotally, there's great appreciation for the overall uh, vaccination care program, inclusive of the uh, you know financial reward. I, I don't know that associates were expecting it. I think they were hoping for flexibility, which of course, schedule flexibility, which of course we would provide. But this is so important. We added the financial incentive because we wanted to go a level above and, and do everything we can uh, to promote the health and well-being of our employees. How would you describe, in your own words, the impact of the pandemic on the hotel industry? Oh, it, devastating. You know, you would add the financial impact of 9-11 to the Great Recession, and you start to approximate uh, what this has been, un unprecedented. You know, you went from bustling cities and hotels with very high occupancies to single digits, and many hotels closed uh, for extended period of time. Some hotels still closed. So I could not, you know, over-exaggerate the impact to the industry. But my enthusiasm is about, you know, just the human need for connection and for exploration. People are going to get back out on the road. So I've got to ask you, David, what have you learned? What has Marriott learned about resilience through this turbulent period? Yeah, that's a great question. Resilience is not a tactic. It's not an activity you take at the moment where you, you're not feeling resilient. Resilience, whether it's for an individual, a person, or an organization, is about a discipline that's cultivated over, over time. Let's say the, the resilience of your workforce uh, doesn't start with a program you may roll out today to deal with a crisis like a pandemic. Resilience starts with uh, fundamentally how you run your business from the very start in a very holistic way. We are uh, concerned with the physical, emotional, financial well-being of our associates. We have pro programs uh, to help them to grow that way. We know that uh, human beings, you know, once they have their daily needs met, met, you know, food and lodging, they want to grow. And so, you know, we invest in programs to help them grow professionally and, um, and, and personally. And uh, again, that, that's our conviction about, you know, the best way to run a company. Such an interesting perspective. David Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining us on Resilience Recast. Wonderful to be with you today. Thank you. Coming up, we'll be talking to Dr. Ashwini Zanuz, Chief Medical Officer at Salesforce. 
This podcast series is brought to you by Salesforce, a trusted digital advisor to business in partnership with Reuters Plus. To find out more about how Salesforce helps businesses transition to a digital work from anywhere world, visit salesforce.com. I'm joined now by Dr. Ashwini Zanuz, Chief Medical Officer at Salesforce. Welcome, Dr. Ash. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, I understand you joined Salesforce a couple of years before the start of the pandemic. Tell me, how has your role changed as a result of the pandemic? You know, when I first started as uh, Chief Medical Officer here, uh, my role and the role of my team was focusing on developing and bringing really industry solutions to our healthcare and life sciences customers. Of course, with the pandemic, uh, the role has been elevated and expanded where we're thinking about um, everything from remote work arrangements, returning to the office, um, solutions to help our, not only our healthcare and life sciences customers during this pandemic, but <clears throat> broader organizations in manufacturing, um, you know, frontline workers, um, uh, organizations in education, et cetera. So lots of hats that I've been wearing uh, over the last year and a half or so, and it's, uh, it's been exciting. And tell me, was a mega health crisis like a pandemic, something that was discussed in advance at a very high level amongst the leadership at Salesforce? Of course. Um, you know, there are several of us in this organization who have a public health background. So when we saw this um, virus coming through last year and, you know, we're a multi-global organization and we saw this impact in other parts of the world, we quickly realized that we need to start thinking about a virtual and a remote model, not only for our employees, but all of our events and everything else that we do here at Salesforce. Uh, you can have these discussions uh, in silos. So of course our ELT jumped uh, to the table and uh, we went remote very early on. I wanna say March of last year, we were one of the first organizations to go remote uh, at the big, you know, start of the pandemic. And you also ended up very quickly getting involved in the whole vaccine business, I don't know if business is quite the word for it, but you developed a platform called Vaccine Cloud. Tell us about that. What was it about? What was the thinking behind it? You know, I don't, I don't see Vaccine Cloud as something that's, um, you know, something that we think about as a business for sure. We started very early on last year, uh, as early as March of last year, we mobilized a team to get out there and just get PPE for our frontline workers. We secured 60 million pieces of equipment masks, gloves, gowns, et cetera, to get out to our healthcare professionals who were lacking. And from there, we recognized that, you know, they needed tools in government and these provider organizations to keep people healthy and safe at work. So we developed something called work.com, which is technology to help them with uh, looking at uh, emergency response management, contact tracing, a command center that brought all of these different tools together uh, and had all of the information in one place. Um, that was released, I want to say, in May of last year, and we started adding a couple of capabilities around vaccine management as we saw vaccines coming to market, but quickly realized that this was much more complicated. So in January of this year, we released an end-to-end -end platform called Vaccine Cloud. Uh, it does everything from scheduling of vaccines to logistics to inventory management to tracking, real-time monitoring. It's fairly robust, and I want to say to date, we have 150 organizations globally, federally, uh, and locally using uh, this as a platform to deliver vaccines, get shots in arms. 
And those organizations, those 150 that you mentioned, are not just private organizations that are using Vaccine Cloud, right? But also not-for-profits like the massive Gavi and its, its huge COVAX pro program trying to get vaccines to the really poor around the world. What kind of impact has it had, do you think? You know, Gavi is a great example. Um, Gavi has been a customer of Salesforce for many years. And, you know, they reached out to us and said, you know, we've done a lot of work with you. Can you help us with this? We have 190 countries coming to the table uh, so that we can look up, think about equitably distributing these vaccines. And they, you know, they have a lofty goal of getting uh, 2 billion vaccines out by the end of this year. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it matters when you're talking about a pandemic. And so, um, you know, we provided services pro bono to help them build out their country engagement platform. So these 190 countries could actively collaborate uh, around the need and the availability of the vaccines. So that's a great example. That is not a private organization that is uh, using our platform. Of course, we have other uh, governments like the state of California, state of Chicago that is using uh, vaccine cloud here in the United States. We also have, uh, hospitals um, like Piedmont Healthcare that's using this to deliver vaccines to their local communities. And, you know, this is not just a United States uh, focused effort. We have organizations all over the world now reaching out, everybody from an educational institution, a nonprofit, uh, even other private companies like manufacturing plants that need to ensure that they have their workers vaccinated and, and ensure that they're providing a safe environment for their employees. How do you see the role of the private sector in supporting the rollout of vaccine programs? We heard from David Rodriguez from Marriott earlier about an incentive scheme that they have to incentivize employees who are taking time out to get vaccinated. Are there other kinds of private sector initiatives you're aware of? And, and what do you think of them? This is not something that you can do in silos. And this is no uh, one organization's effort to get everybody vaccinated. If you're going to have the world vaccinated, which is really what you need uh, to reach herd immunity, you need about 70 to 80% of the population safely vaccinated so that we can all go back to whatever the new normal looks like. You need everybody engaged. And that means the likes of Marriott here in the US. I also think it's really important not just to incentivize, but to educate people. The biggest part of this is you want people to feel safe. So engaging your local you know, churches, your pastors, your barber shops, where people get their vaccine advice to ensure there's no hesitancy and then there's buy-in. We can't just have media and physicians talking about this. You need everybody to understand what's going on on the front lines so that you can safely get everybody vaccinated. So I believe that you know, without collaboration, we're not gonna get there. Like you said, the widespread access to vaccines is an essential step for us to be able to go back to work and pick up something like a normal life again. So what are your thoughts about the future of work, this hybrid working we keep talking about and hearing about? What are your thoughts, Dr. Ash? Look, I don't think, you know, we have two different types of workers in this world, right? You've got the knowledge workers who are able to work remotely. And we've, most of us, I think, have adjusted in a way that we hadn't at the beginning of this pandemic. And I think it's going to look really different for them. And then you've got the people on the ground that have been at work during this entire pandemic on the front lines. Now, if we're talking about remote work, I, you know, I truly believe that the nine to five workday is dead. We have to allow for our employees to have flexible work times. We have to allow for um, you know, better remote work tools, equipment that's ergonomic, everything that can happen remotely. I think that's the where we're headed, at least for those of us who are able to work remotely, even in a hybrid model. 
we need to ensure that you know all of those tools are available and that you have safe working environments. Um, here at Salesforce, I've heard our CEO say quite a few times that the future of work is in the cloud. And I believe for those of us who can work remotely, that's pretty much going to be the case. And as chief medical officer at Salesforce, one of your responsibility, of course, is the health and well-being of employees at Salesforce. So what kind of changes do you think we should be making going into the future, given that we're much more likely to be living in the cloud for work as well? Here at Salesforce, we do a monthly survey of our employees to get input, right? This is a novel virus and a novel environment. It's constantly changing. So we've definitely realized that the changes we're making has led to increased productivity of our employees uh, from June of last year to uh, March of this year. We're now having employees report 74% more productivity rates. So I think that's fabulous. And the changes that we've made is we're having more open, transparent communication about the changes that are coming through. We have Doctor, I'm going to interrupt you there for a minute. Do you think those kind of increases in productivity that we've seen over the last year, do you think they're sustainable? Because in a way, potentially part of that was because we all came together. It was a crisis. We were doing something sort of in a, like a war situation. How do we make sure that we hold on to those gains? Don't let a, don't ever let a crisis go to waste, Nisha. I mean, we have to learn from this. This is not something that you just forget and move on. Like I said, I know for me, I've learned to work from home. I've learned to engage with my customers better. I've learned to engage with people remotely and connect with people. I think these are all things that I learned because my organization has helped me understand how to do that. So, um, you know, is it going to go back to completely the way we've been? No, but I think there are a lot of things that we can retain. Uh, we have to think about our employees. They're working remotely and not everybody's going to be compacted into a workplace with their spouse and their children remote learning. But I think at the same time, you've got to think about, you know, telemental health benefits, behavioral health benefits, allowing for a flexible workday, um, allowing for people to just go out and take a walk when, when it's needed, not having like nine to five Zoom calls, right? Allowing for that flexibility. I think if you do those kinds of things and continue to uh, engage your employees in a way that's sustainable, and then probably bringing people back so that you do need those water cooler conversations to, to get that social environment going, some hybrid model. We're gonna see a lot of that in the future. And I think the productivity is here to stay because I think employees are learning to uh, work in this remote model and they're, they're beginning to like it. Many organizations and companies already offer wellness benefits and meditation apps, free gym membership, and so on. Are these just a nice to have, or is there evidence that they actually do improve personal resilience and well-being? If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to be a productive member of uh, your workforce or society. And I think it's really important to invest in yourself. So uh, I know uh, when you think about other traumatic events like 9-11, for example, we saw lasting mental health impacts going up to 14 years into the future. So I don't think we should be taking this lightly. Um, you know, everybody's impacted and has a mental health experience in some way or another during this pandemic. And I think we as employers have to be really cognizant of that and ensure that these benefits are being used. It's the right type of benefits, which I keep going back to getting those employee surveys to ensure that people are liking it, using it, and it's adding to their life and value. Most of our guests on our Resilience Recast podcasts believe that it's inevitable that there'll be another pandemic, another big health crisis. It's a question of when. So from a health and wellness perspective, what would you think should be our big takeaways about how to be more resilient in future? I think the biggest thing for me is let's not reinvent the wheel, Nisha. 
um, we've had pandemics before, we've had epidemics before, but it seems like every time we have something new like this, it leads to a global crisis. And you know, during this time we've had mental health crisis, economic crisis, social justice issues arise from all of this. So I think, you know, let's, let's take some lessons learned, lots of lessons here to say, let's be prepared. We have a template in place to move forward with. We've had rapid acceleration and adoption of digital transformation. We see the tools that are being adopted that can help share information easily and freely. Uh, let's think about trust and how we share this data. I think there's a lot that we can learn from this to look to the future. So we're not starting from zero. Let's start at least from 50 or maybe even start at 100 where we're prepared. And this isn't just governments, this isn't just nonprofits. I think a lot of private organizations, everybody has something to learn. Employers should be ready, should be ready to get their uh, employees out working remotely, uh, providing tools, mental health benefits, behavioral health benefits. Governments and organizations should be ready and have things in stockpile. Let's get our scientists ready to go thinking ahead, enable transparency and communication. These are all things that we've learned coming out of this pandemic. And I think into the future, if we continue this path and invest in the things that we've been doing, invest in the technology transformation, invest in uh, science and information sharing, we're all going to fare better in the future. So I say, let's start there. Dr. Ash, that's spot on advice. Thanks so much for joining us on Resilience Recast. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Resilience Recast. As we've heard, the vaccine rollout will play a key role in the future of work in a post-pandemic world. Lessons learned from the pandemic will mean that work may never be quite the same again, and that taking care of our health and mental well-being will be the foundation of personal resilience. In the rest of the series, we'll continue our conversations with business leaders and other experts who have frontline experience in building and maintaining resilience for their organizations. Please do join us again. From me, Nisha Pele, goodbye for now. This podcast series is brought to you by Salesforce, a trusted digital advisor to business in partnership with Reuters Plus. To find out more about how Salesforce helps businesses transition to a digital work from anywhere world, visit salesforce.com.